Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. In Christianity, there's really two foundational truths that Christianity is built on, right? The first one is the incarnation. Now, that's what we're talking about now, Christmas, right? God becoming flesh. Uh, Jesus did not become, so to speak, God in the flesh or the Savior. He was Lord at his birth, right? This, this, This was God coming in human form. That's the incarnation. And the second is the resurrection. Of course, because it's Christmas, we're going to talk a little bit about the incarnation. So I'd like to go to Luke chapter 2 and uh, just read a part of the story. Because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home. Journeying from there, the Galilean village of Nazareth, he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the village inn. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel appeared among them, and the landscape shone bright with the glory of the Lord. They were badly frightened. But the angel reassured them. Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you the most joyful news ever announced. And it is for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. How will you recognize him? You will find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. Then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang. And peace on earth for all those pleasing him. I want you to notice the angel said the best news, the most joyful news ever announced. There is nothing better that any human being could ever hear is that you have been reconciled to God, that your sins are forgiven. In fact, when when Jesus is preaching one time, he's in a house. It's so full that no one can get in. Four men bring a paralytic laying on a cot. And when they can't get in, they go up on the roof and make a hole in the roof and let the man down in front of Jesus. And Jesus said to him, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Then he healed the man. How many of you know that being forgiven is better than being healed? It is the best news that your sins are forgiven you. Now, notice it is for everyone. It's for everyone. You know, there, there is a, a certain segment of Christianity that, that one of their, their key doctrines is, is limited atonement. That Jesus did not die for everybody, but only certain people can be saved. I, I just want you to know that is not what the Bible teaches. Who is this news good? Who is this good news for? It is for Every one. And and really, the responsibility of the church today is to make sure that everyone hears about the good news. That's our responsibility. So 
They said, peace on earth and good will towards men. Now, what I want to do this morning is I don't want to talk so much about the what, Jesus being born, but about the why. How many of you know the why is always more important than the what? Right? So I want to talk to you a little bit about the why. And, and he was born so there would be peace on earth and goodwill towards men. When God created humanity, he put them in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve really committed an act of high treason against God. And they bowed their knee to God's enemy. Now, God had told them, he said, if you eat of that tree in the middle of the garden, he said, in the day you eat of it, he said, you'll surely die. But they ate of that tree and Adam lived 930 years. Well, it would seem he didn't die right away, but he did die right away. But he didn't die physically right away. He died spiritually right away. His relationship with God changed just like that. Before God came down every day, they walked with God, they talked with God. But after they, they sin, they're afraid of God and they're hiding from God. What happened? That spiritual relationship that they had with God, it died. Right? And by the, by the way, the Bible just calls that spiritual death. Right? Uh, if somebody has to drag you to church, it's probably because you're not right with God. You see, before when Adam and Eve were in right relationship, they were anxiously waiting to have fellowship with God, to talk with God, to worship God. But once that relationship broke, they were hiding from God and they were afraid of God. And they had misconceptions about God. So what Jesus did is he came to restore the relationship that we had with God. You know, when most people think about God, they think about somebody up in heaven who's old, sitting on a throne, probably has a cane and a long beard. And right next to him is like a fly swatter. And as soon as you get out of line, he just goes, squashes you like a bug. They think God's mad. God's waiting for them to just misbehave, just do something wrong. All right. And God's going to be mad. God's not going to bless them. God's not going to listen to their prayers. God's not going to use them. God, you know, God's just going to be upset and there's going to be this distance. Second Corinthians chapter five. And all this is a gift from God. You cannot earn right relationship with God. It's a gift from God. See, what religion is, is religion is when men try to do things to be right with God. That's what religion is. It's man-initiated. Christianity is not man-initiated. It's God-initiated. It's not man saying, I'm going to do this to try to please you. It's God saying, I'm doing this to put you in right relationship with me. Right? Totally different. And all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling or restoring the world to himself. We didn't do something to earn God's favor, to earn God's acceptance. God did something to put us in right relationship with him. 
no longer counting people's sins against them. You got that? When Jesus came, everything changed. Until Jesus came, sin separated people from God. And there was judgment on sin. But what Jesus did is he came and he took the penalty for sin. That's what he did. Right? So no, God is no longer counting people's, your and my sins against us. I cannot tell you how many people have come to me through the years and said, well, the reason that I have this problem, the reason I was in this accident, the reason I have this disease is because God's punishing me for this and for that and the next thing. That is a lie. That is a lie. God is no longer holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Right? This is the wonderful message we have to tell others. Right? Um, remember years ago, we had, we had uh, this 35 years ago, probably, we uh, purchased a property on division and, and had a ministry reaching out mostly to street people on division. Um, there was a, how can I say this? A bar in which they catered to, to the homosexual community. I remember being down there, all right? And uh, we were witnessing, we were passing out tracks and talking to people. And some people came by in a car, all right? And they rolled down their windows and they're shouting, Perverts! You're going to hell! You're going to hell! You're going to hell! Turn it burn! Now, the gospel literally means good news. That is not good news. <laughs> right? Good news is you don't have to go to hell. Good news is God loved you enough to pay for your sin so that if you'll receive it, you can be right with God and you can walk with God today. That's good news. That's good news. Notice, I want to read it again. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself or telling them what he's done. Right? So what we have is good news. Right? The gospel literally means good news, or actually it means almost too good to be true news. For God was in Christ, restoring, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Wow. Right? That's why Jesus came. He came to put your hand in God's hand. He came to pay a debt that no person could ever pay. Right? So that's why the Bible says this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing say that again, rightly dividing the word of truth. Before Jesus came, 
man was not in right relationship with God, right? And God punished sin. But when Jesus came, all the punishment of sin was put on Jesus, right? And God is no longer, he used to before Christ, but he no longer holds people's sins against them, right? So it's very important that we divide the word of truth. Your Bible, if you open it up, uh, in the very beginning, it says Old Covenant, Old Testament. And then you get to the newer portion, it says New Testament or New Covenant, right? Under the old system, sin was judged. Under the new system, sin has been judged. And God is no longer holding men's sins against them, right? So really... One of the reasons that Jesus came was to reconcile you and I to God. He came to pay for our sin. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says that God took him that knew no sin. Who was that? Jesus. And made him to be sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So... At the cross, God takes all of your sin, all of your unrighteousness, and puts it on Jesus. And that's why Jesus died. The Bible says he was delivered up because of our offenses. Your sins, my sins, our offenses put Jesus on the cross. But God took Jesus' righteousness, just like he took your sin and put it into Jesus. He took Jesus' righteousness and put that in you. So the Bible says, listen to the rest of that verse, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So if you're a Christian, you're righteous. Now, you may not feel righteous. You say, yeah, but look at what I did. Yeah, but Jesus took care of that. And God took Jesus' righteousness and put that in you. In fact, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? He made you righteous at the cross. So the truth is, how can we say this? Make it real clear. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. With the righteousness, if you're a believer, with the righteousness you have right now, if your heart stopped, angel will carry you and you will about that fast, be in God's presence. And with the righteousness you have right now, you are going to hang out with God for all of eternity. You aren't going to go someplace for 10,000 years and suffer for a while and get purified. No, you already are made righteous. And with this righteousness that you have, you will hang out with God for all of eternity. So what the devil tries to do is he tries to tell you, no, you're bad. He tries to get you to look at your behavior. How I many you know your behavior is never going to be perfect? 18 of you. The rest of you listen to me. It ain't happening. All right? <clears throat> so God sent Jesus to reconcile us. Right? Then Jesus came to show us exactly what Jesus, excuse me, what God is like. Because most people, their idea of God is not, the, is not or does not show God's true character. 
Now, again, the children of Israel come out of Egypt. They come to Mount Sinai. God descends on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, Exodus 20. All right. This is the Ten Commandments. I remember when you were growing up at church, they read the Ten Commandments. Any of you? I mean, every week they read the Ten Commandments. Right? This is what it says. Then Moses, then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. Let, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Message Bible, all the people experiencing the thunder, the lightning, the trumpet blast, the smoky mountain, they were afraid. I mean, God comes down. Right? There's, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's a trumpet blasting, there's this blackness that descends on the crowd. Everything is shaking. And it says they were afraid. They pulled back, stood at a distance, and they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't let God speak to us, lest we die. Right? When God showed up, it was wild. Again, thunder, lightning. Trumpets are blasting. God descends down in the cloud and God starts to speak. Everything is shaking. Everybody's running. So Jesus comes as a baby. How many of you know nobody's afraid of a baby? You know, we see a baby and it's like, ooh. Everybody loves a baby. Nobody's afraid of a baby. See, that's why Jesus came as a baby. When God showed up in his glory, People were terrified. Don't speak. Don't let him speak to us. We're going to die if God speaks to us. So God comes just as a baby. right? And he does that to show us what he's really like. So we won't be afraid. Hebrews chapter one, verse three, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. What Jesus is, is he is the exact representation of God's character. One translation says he's the mirror image of God the Father. So if you want to know what is God like, look at Jesus. Jesus came to reveal to us what God is like. Jesus said in John 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And then he said, most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he, the Father, does, the Son also does likewise. So here's what we can say. Jesus is perfect theology. He shows us exactly what God is like. Now, Acts 10 says he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Everybody Jesus healed. It wasn't God making them sick. They were oppressed of the devil. There's a woman who gets caught in the act of adultery, and they bring this woman to Jesus. Now, isn't this spiritual? They come and they say, Jesus, we have caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Isn't that great spiritual activity? Setting up, watching, waiting for her to come, waiting till she's in the act, catching her. Right? And, and by the way, they bring the woman. How many of you know you don't commit adultery alone? Like, where's the dude? I mean, they weren't really looking for any justice here. All right. But what spiritual activity to spy and to catch her? And then they bring her and they say, Jesus, Moses said to stone such women. What do you say? I love this. The Bible says Jesus 
he kneels down and he starts writing in the ground on the dirt. All right. Now, Jesus said to them, he said, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And he's writing in the ground. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, but I think I know. Okay. Jesus starts writing dates and addresses. Because the Bible says they left in order from the oldest to the youngest until everybody's gone. Nobody's left. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? Jesus, well, they're gone. And listen, this is what Jesus said. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, that's what God's like. That's what God's like. He's not looking to punish you. He's looking to forgive you. In John chapter four, there's another story. Jesus is sitting at a well. He's in Samaria. Now, the, the Jews and the Samaritans have had centuries of prejudice against each other. They hate each other. And Jesus is there at the well, and a Samaritan woman comes. And Jesus asks for a drink of water. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, would even ask for water from me, a Samaritan? And Jesus said, well, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, he said, you would ask, and he would give you living water. And she eventually says, well, I'd like some of that. And Jesus said, uh, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, that's the truth. Because you've been married five times and divorced. And now the guy you're living with, you're shacking up with, he's not your husband. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) Do you know what Jesus does? He reveals to her that he is the Messiah and sends her and makes her an evangelist. Do you know what? Jesus didn't condemn her. He didn't condemn her. Jesus was go and sin no more. Right? Remember, he was delivered up because of our offenses. Right? Because of our offenses. This is Romans 4.25, but he was raised because of or when you were justified. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is proof that you've been justified. And what do you say? What does that mean? That means you've been made just as if you'd never sinned. To be justified is to be made just as if I'd never sinned. You become the righteousness of God in Christ. Not that you're perfect. It's not your behavior. It's a gift. In fact, the Bible calls it the gift of righteousness. Listen, James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, emotions, and a constitution like ours. Now, you, look at, you, you tend to look at people in the Bible, and you think, ooh, super saints. They never had problems like us. They never had thoughts like us. But the Bible says about Elijah, he had feelings. He had affections and a constitution like ours. And in fact, uh, he ends up becoming suicidal. He's so depressed. God had to like shake him out of it. But he's the man who prayed and there was no rain for three years and six months. And it prayed, prayed again. And God sent rain. 
It wasn't that he was perfect in himself. It was because of a gift of righteousness, not because of his behavior. So what really Jesus did, he came and he reconciled us. He shows us what God is like. He shows us that God is not mad. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Again, most people, they think God's up in heaven. He's got a big fly swatter. As soon as you get out of line, God is going to squash you like a bug and then go, ha, ha, ha. But that is the exact opposite of the truth. God is not condemning. He has restored the world to himself. And the Bible says, made you to be the righteousness of God in him. Now, I just want to share another thought. Um, And this really has to do with your value. The Bible tells us that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the lifestyle you received from your parents, but with the precious blood of Jesus. So what did it take to redeem you? It took the blood of Jesus to redeem you. Now in Acts chapter 20, in verse 32, there is a statement that's made about the blood of Jesus, which absolutely is sounding. It says that God purchased us with his own blood. Do you hear that? He purchased you with his with his own blood. In other words, Jesus' blood was the blood of God. You were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. There is what what is referred to as the law of exchange, which says when, when you want to purchase something, you need to give something of equal or greater value in order to get it. I don't know. My, my, my pickup truck sitting right behind the church here. And I don't know what my pickup truck was. Probably, I'm going to guess, like $45,000, right? So if you wanted to purchase my pickup truck from me, you would have to give me something of equal value, right? And then we would have an exchange. But God purchased you, right? And when he purchased you, the Bible says very clearly, what he purchased you with was his own blood. Now, that tells you the value that God places on you. In fact, Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? And what could you give in exchange for your soul? Because the truth is, you are worth more than all the stuff in this world. In fact, Jesus said, you're worth more than the world. In fact, Peter said it this way. He said, what's going to happen, he says, God is going to purify the earth. He said, the atmosphere is going to explode. He said, and every element on earth will melt. So your house is going to melt. Your car is going to melt. Your jewelry is going to melt. Your boat's going to melt. Everything is going to be gone. But you are going to live on someplace forever. 
So all the stuff in this world is temporary, but you are going to live forever and ever. So after the stars fall from the sky, like ripe autumn leaves, you're going to live on billions, trillions of years. And Jesus said, all the stuff is temporary, but you, you're immortal. You have a beginning, but you will never, ever have an ending. And because of your value, Jesus said, you're worth more than the world. And God looked at you and said, you're worth so much. I will give my blood. I will purchase you with my blood. That gives you, Jesus came to let you know how much God loves you and how much you are worth to God. And then Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God is here. Most people today, when they think about Christianity, they think, go to heaven. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I want you to listen to me very carefully. If you're a Christian, when you die, you will go to heaven. But that is not what Christianity is about. That's what it will be about someday, but it's not today. Right? When Jesus came, this is what he said. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's now. It's available. It's for you. Repent. Believe the gospel. Message Bible. Time's up. God's kingdom's here. Change your life. Believe the message. Uh, New Living Testament. The time promised by God is at hand at last. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, I want you to notice that there's two parts. Change your life. Believe the message. Change your life. Believe the message. Another translation says, change the way you think and act, right? So the kingdom of God really has two parts. Um, There is a part of what you believe, and there's a part of what you do. James said it like this. He said, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So cleanse your hands has to do with what you do, all right? He says, change what you do. Rethink your life. Change what you do. All right. But then it says, purify your hearts. Right. So the kingdom of God is just not what you do, but it's what's on the inside in your heart. He says, you need to change the things you do, but you also need to change what you believe. That's why he said, believe the message. Now, if somebody has an addiction, whether it's uh, alcohol, whether it's drugs, You know, quite often what will happen, they'll go into a rehab program, 30 days, 60 days, right? And in in many of these programs literally cost tens of thousands of dollars, right? And they're there for 60 days. And for 60 days, they have clean hands, right? No alcohol. There's no drugs, right? Clean. Their hands are clean, right? But very often they get out. And in a matter of a few weeks, they're right back with the same behavior, right? Because they changed what their hands were doing, but they didn't change what their heart was believing. Right? For there to be, for, for the kingdom of God, what it says is this, you, you need to change what your hands do, but you need to change what's in your heart, right? Change your life, believe the message. Repent of your sins, believe the good news. 
repent and believe. So the kingdom of God really has two parts. There is a part of doing, but the big part is the change on the inside, what we believe, right? Uh, In a word, this is Matthew 5, verse 48. What I'm saying is, this is Jesus. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out of your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. The kingdom of God, it has to do with what you believe on the inside, but it has to do with what you do as well. And when Jesus came, what Jesus came to proclaim was the kingdom of God. It's here, it's now, it's available, it's for you. The kingdom of God does not begin when you die. The kingdom of God begins immediately when you receive the king of the kingdom Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Jesus made this statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. So what Jesus said was this, all the good things that I could do to try to be right with God will never make me right with God. He said, there's just one way to come to God, to be right with God. And Jesus said, that's through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. So often what we try to do is we try to do something to earn God's favor. But what Jesus did, he came and he paid for our sin. And he said, receive me. And when you receive me, you receive everything that I did for you in my death, in my burial, in my resurrection. He said, the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And again, in a group this size, there's people that are here today, but you're away from God. At one point, you lived for God, but you've drifted away. There's others you're here, and you do not know where you stand with God. You say, if I say, are you a Christian? You say, I hope I am. I'm trying to be. I'll find out when I die. But the Bible says we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. We need to know we're forgiven. We're right with God. We're on our way to heaven. And if we don't know that, we're not where we should be. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray a prayer with me out loud. I'm going to ask you to make these words your own. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Now, if you will repeat this prayer from your heart, you're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. When we say amen, If you'll pray this prayer from your heart, you're going to be right with God. So everybody, would you please repeat this from your heart? Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King, my Savior, and my Lord. And I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that my past, it's gone. 
I received your gift of Jesus and his righteousness. And I thank you, I'm yours today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.